This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. It's the international break Pride of West London podcast. And we're feeling a little bit relaxed now. Probably more relaxed than I felt in quite a few days because I was feeling a bit tense after that game on Friday. Absolutely tense. It's like my muscles were like sort of wrapped around some sort of kind of, I don't know, sheet or something. I don't know. Because I was not very happy at all. <coughs> Fulham came down to Griffin Park. <coughs> and unfortunately, they got the result they wanted. The previous week, it was all jubilation. But not this time. So my tenseness, I'm feeling more relaxed now. Come out to West London, sitting in that lovely little sort of local boozer. Came here a few weeks ago and I thought, tell you something, I quite like this place. So I'm going to come down there and check it out for the podcast. The Cross Keys Pub in Hammersmith. It's like... Stamford Brook, Ravenscourt Park, just behind there, Black Lion Street, Black Lion Square, around that way. Wicked little boozer, proper, proper local boozer as well. And uh, they're taking good care of us in there. It's nice if you're in the area, just come down. It's a good vibe as well. Uh, in fact, you know, you may even want to come down here before the end of year social that we're doing, which is going to be just down the road from here, but we can't say where it's going to be. But anyway, I'm Billy Grant, and I'm here hanging out in the Cross Keys with... My mates are all tense as well. I've got the Allard to the right of me. How are you, mate? I'm, oh, I'm shat. I'm knackered, Bill. I, I was up most of the night, um, and um, you know, watching, but basically watching live on TV. It and um, it's it it didn't start off that well, but it got much better. And by the end of the evening, we had a new hero. I thought it was fantastic. Really good. Uh, Joe Root scoring 124, and England 311 for four at close of play. I thought, I thought you were talking about watching a rerun of the QPR game. I thought that's what you were talking about, yeah. So everyone's getting confused. I mean, today is a day where something, apparently something momentous happened, but we've got no idea what anyone's talking about. The Liberal, how are you feeling today? I mean, are you feeling liberated? Because, I mean, there's a bit of news across the sea, across the pond, which is probably not as liberal as you would have liked, is it? Well, it's a li- libertarian. I mean, there'll be lots of people who listen to this podcast who'll be leaping up and down with delight at, at, at what happened overnight. But hey, you know, we, we move on. 
if you're a Brentford fan, you get used to winning some and you get used to losing some. And you know, currently we're on a bit of a losing streak, but things change, as we know. All it needs is a new manager, and we can see some exciting times ahead. Oh, here he goes! Oh, he's back on that one again. Actually, he, he said the thing that he actually never said before, or maybe I'm mishearing things. The lady man, how are you? Got man flu, Bill. Feeling a little bit sorry for myself. Going to drink, drink through the pain barrier. Had a little, uh, little bit of Jack Daniels earlier, just for medicinal purposes. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I think Pete, I'll, I was thinking of um, blowing out this week. And, you know, ringing up sick, putting a bit of a sick note in. But I know, uh, I know people will get worried. And um, I think, you know, I think people will just think, you know, just be really, really concerned that it ruin a lot of people's weeks. So um, I've, I've decided to brave it and come out. Oh, what a, what a hero! Absolute, absolute hero, Laney. So, as you can tell, we're all pretty, pretty calm and pretty mellow. You know, like I said, to the, the last few weeks, they've seen all sorts of emotions. It's seen joy. It's seen pain. Sunshine. We've seen sunshine <laughs> and, and rain. rain and rain as well. <laughs> it's funny that we beat QBR two 0 at Loftus Road for the first time in over half a century, and quite guttingly. And I have to say this now: it's almost like I can actually get it off my chest. We were unable to revel in the post-match glory, you know, with all you guys. I mean, we actually recorded the podcast, almost almost killed ourselves, got almost got killed actually recording it in the post-match and in the, in the pub afterwards and everything like that, but it was cool. And then it got lost in cyberspace and absolutely gutted. That teaches to speak to Martin Rowland. You, you deserve to die for that. It's not my fault. I mean, he came up to me. Exactly. That's why Martin Rowlands yet again ruins a besotted podcast. Yeah. He didn't actually speak to us after the, after the, after the match anyway. I mean, he was, wasn't there because we beat him two 0 It was his vibe though. It was the vibe <laughs> was going through. <laughs> That's if eBay wasn't there either, though. But uh, you know, the the contrast in the two weeks. You know, one week we were singing West London is ours, and then the next week we kind of slunk away. I'm, I'm, I'm a little well, bit... You con- slunk away. We stayed in the pub till about no, one... I'm confused about the, the ownership of West London at the moment. I, I think, have we reverted back to each bit of West London is owned by the respective clubs, or do we own more of West London because we beat QPR, or, and, and then, then now own a little bit less because Fulham beat us? It's ownership. Who owns West well, it's, London? It's kind of like you know, like the Notting Hill Housing Trust, isn't it? Like you know, where you get your shared ownership. Like you know, what I'm saying. So maybe like you know, I don't know. We all put in a piece each, and, and we and, and as time goes on, and an increase in value, we all we all get from that value. Maybe or or maybe it's a time that you know, maybe a third of the year each, we actually just own a piece for it for four months each. Maybe we could do it one way or the other. I, I prefer the sort of kind of I don't know the four months. I prefer the sort of shared. No, no, you're not. You're, no, you're not happy. I mean. I'm happy. I'm happy to share with Rangers. I'm not happy to share with Fulham. So share owners. So you'd rather have four months each? No, there are, that's black, no, that's black no, and white, six, isn't it? Six, six months each. I'm happy to share. I'm happy to share with Rangers. Six months. Six months on. Six months off. I'm not happy to share with Fulham. But we got. We got to beat them to, to you know for, for that not to happen, didn't we? No, I'm not happy to share with Fulham whether we win, lose, or draw because I just hate Fulham. I mean, so do I, but come on, you're the liberal there. You've got, you've got to have some sort of rules. You can't just make them up. You could be liberal about certain things, but there is nothing, there is nothing right-wing, left-wing, or even middle-of-the-road about hating Fulham. Well, there's nothing left-wing about, or right-wing about Brentford on, 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 on last Friday, but we'll come on to that a little bit later. I think, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you believe in democracy, Nick, and that makes it a third each, based on the results. This Football is not a proportional game. Get on with it. First past the post, yeah? 
Exactly, yeah. Normally Scott Hogan lifting it just round the corner, yeah. So anyway, listen, so seven days afterwards, like I said, Fulham beat us at Griffin Park through the performance that was absolute chalk and cheese to the QPR match. We went down 2-0. So listen, let's have no ado. Let's go back to the pub last week and to the terraces last week and let's hear what people have to say about that game because we don't want to talk about it anymore. Well, what we'll do is we'll come back and we'll talk about it after we've heard what they've got to say. It's not gone according to script at all. To be fair, I expected Fulham to come and uh, sit back and do a Wigan or a Barnsley on us. Here's on the break. To be fair, they've come, they've been competitive. I hate to say it, they've actually played quite well tonight, Fulham. Um, didn't expect it at all. Brentford, not quite been there. A couple of good chances, second half. Uh, Clark Shan seemed to be pivotal. Could have put that away. It could have been a different, different game. We were on top of Fulham for about 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe second half. The old purple patch, yeah? The old purple patch came and we didn't make the most of it. Listen, they're still, they're never going to wipe out the 4-1 down at their place, the 3-0 last season. Enjoy this while it lasts, Fulham. It's a blip. No, I, I, I can't put my foot on it because at, at times we look like we're going to get into the game and it just like just lack that cutting edge Hogan today I, I, he just seemed to go missing he, he, he just wasn't there uh, disappointing I was really impressed really impressed with their fullback there that number three he, he looked quality today he was getting you know, like they, uh, yeah, they didn't show up last time we played them oh, we beat them in the first ten minutes but yeah that, that was a quality Fulham team out there today Fulham looked like a team tonight who will be in the playoffs at least in the playoffs I thought we looked like the mid-table championship team that we're going to be and you know let, let, let's let full credit to Fulham they, they played a good game tonight um, they, they, they knew what they needed to do to, to stifle us we didn't turn up in the first half in the second half we, got, we, we, we became better um, but you know, the, the lack of the lack of initiative from some of our players disappointed me, uh, and I'm sure it's, it's already been said that you know people like McCrecker and, and Sawyer's had real off nights tonight. So you know we've got to just wipe our faces, say well done to Fulham. Pains me to say that. We move on. Let's see how we can do against Blackburn in two weeks' time. We're mid-table team. I, I, before this game kicked off, I was just saying to my mates, if we win today, I think that we can go on with top six. If we don't win today, we're middle of the table. And I, I think tonight we just proved that's what we are. We're middle of the table. Well, I think, I think Fulham, Fulham were first to every second ball, pretty much. And um, I, I don't think the Fulham keeper had to make one save, did he? There, there, there was a bit of head tennis there towards the end. I, 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 I love I the ground. I love the fans. I love the atmosphere. So the experience was great. But the, te the te team wasn't, didn't seem to be quite on it tonight. A couple of players there that I don't think really, really pulled their weight. Uh, uh, who? But, well, Clark, I don't think, was on it. Sawyer's as well. Um, Woods, really. There was a few mistakes there. Um, first half, I don't think, was too good. We did try and fight back second half. We seemed to lose our shape as well, I thought, second half. Um, it was a bit of a scrum, really, towards the end. Just disappointing, really. But we just look forward to the next game. You don't feel confident. You don't go there thinking, yes, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. We still seem to be up in the air, and then we do well, then we don't. It's a little bit of a roller coaster. We need to just be more determined, I think. Um, I suppose we got a break coming up. That usually does us good, doesn't it? I don't. I don't think our. I don't think we were that bad. But I thought, in general, our midfield lacked a little something. 
Um, I think that was the, the one game where we were found out, one area of the game where we found out really, uh, was that our we didn't have control of the midfield, and I think that cost us overall. They were well-researched side. They, if you watch back and you look at what they did in the first half, they had a very stringent game plan. They were going to press the ball down, and they were going to play down the right-hand side against Bellend. Everything, really, that was threatening came down the right-hand side. One-on-one, one, skinned him, and that is ultimately where the goal came from. Um, I think they were better than that. Uh, they, they reminded me of a little bit of the Watford team um, that played against a couple of years ago. Um, they, you know, they, they they have a flexibility. They had a flexibility about them up front. That you know, they had three or four players that were interchanging position, and it's something with a you know we have done in the past. We're not currently. We don't play that way. Um, and, and it was really difficult to sort of say, you know, who's playing, who's, who's the front man. And, and they really did just, you know, they, they were a very, very good side. Um, credit to us for coming out in the second half and actually giving them a decent game in the second half. Um, it, you know, I, I actually think we really, although overall, you know, I don't think you can argue with Fulham winning. I do think in the second half we had opportunities to to pull that back, and if we'd have got if we'd have got one, I think we'd have held them to one all. Completely disagree with everything the match just said. I think they look good, they were all right, but to say they're like on par with Newcastle, Newcastle are a class outfit, quality players, Fulham. Granted to them, they played well tonight, but just as well as we played against Brighton away, no different. There and us, we've just hit a point where we're very similar now, and we're going to be in the same places come the end of the season. So that was the fans at the pub after the game, the Fulham game, and I have to say, I was absolutely gutted after that match. You know me, listen, football, take it as it is. It's of course... I'll get upset if my team doesn't win. But that one actually knocked me out. And for a few days, I just kind of went missing for a while. And I don't know why it is. I don't know whether or not it's just the way that we did performed, whether or not it was Fulham, whether or not I didn't really expect that result. But, you know, probably, you know, other than sort of kind of, you know, us losing against Doncaster, which was quite bad news, and maybe a couple of others. You know, it was quite a bad one. Like, you know, even when we lost at QPR last, last season, yeah, whatever, we lost our 3-0, we went back, we had a good beer, and just whatever, because we weren't very good. But that game, there was something about that one for me, which rang a few little alarm bells. And uh, we went back to, to, to the boozer afterwards, we went back to the Globe, and you know they had the music playing, we had a good old chat, there was no real vibe, we got kicked out at 12 o'clock, and everyone went home, and we went silent. Oh, what's that ring? There was silence for a couple of days, no one sort of said anything, and that doesn't normally happen. But I'm trying to keep things positive because, listen, it's just one match. And if we had lost against um, Reading and beaten Fulham, we still would have got three points. But I'm wondering whether or not it's psychological just because we lost to Fulham. So I'm looking at silver linings. This is the Silver Linings podcast. We're going to try and have a look at everything to say, listen, everything has got a silver lining. And surely this game, there is a silver lining there somewhere. The Allard. Um, <laughs> it's difficult to say there's any silver lines when you lose to Fulham. Um, uh, because Fulham actually the game means a lot means more to me it, it seems to me more to me than QPR and I guess that's all about what age we are and, and, and the fact that we probably saw Brentford play Fulham um, you know more during during, during periods of, of being a, during our time as a Brentford supporter um, Silver you know I, I said this on the po- I said this on the podcast I'm probably repeating myself 
Um, the, the main silver lining for me was that, was that we actually lost to a good side when we played Fulham. Whereas um, if I'm sort of thinking back to QPR last year, I thought we lost to, a, to an average side and we were particularly shit. Um, I, I also think that the Barnsley game... I mean, if you if, again, if you listen to my what I said after the game, is that you're you're hearing the Barnsley game. I'm sort of pulling my hair out, going, "This is ridiculous." The Fulham game, I'm saying, "You know what? Fulham played well. Um, I I was I, I was I was impressed with them. I thought the front three were uh, excellent. Um, Chris Martin is rejuvenated um, at Fulham, uh, and and they're and they're playing to his strengths. You know, ball to his feet, he's laying it off. Um, Aluko was a constant menace, and. Um, you know, I, I I sort of feel that we were outplayed by a good side, and I, and I and I think they'll be in the playoffs. So again, Nick said that after the game, and I'll back him up. I think they'll be in the playoffs. At least playing that way. I think um, I, I I feel pretty much the same way as you do, if I'm honest, Bill. And and I, and I I take fully on board what what Matt's just said, and I, I completely and utterly agree with him. And I know it doesn't make for great listening that we're not at each other's throats, but I think I think we're slightly confused. I think I think we're confused because, you know, we'd normally we like be like oh full of like oh dirty Fulham they cheated us they they it was like well that was never a penalty you know while well, we hit the bar we were unlucky but we we weren't unlucky and they were very good, and and actually it's not very Brentford Fulham for us to go well, fair play Fulham. You know, you come down and you you play particularly well. My God, you've improved over the last season and certainly over the season before. And um, you know, you, you played the kind of football we were expecting to play, and we played seven days before. We we were really good at Loftus Road, um, and we were really really average at home. And I don't know where that performance went. And I, and and that, I think I think I was, that was really quite galling. I, I expect the manager. And the players to, to to be more consistent than that, to be honest, especially in two local derby games. Maybe not week to week when you're sort of travelling up up and down, you know, from Huddersfield to, to Barnsley or from you know from from one of these northern outposts. Or when you when you play Newcastle and you don't really expect to win, um, and then you, you come back and you, you get turned over by Barnsley. They're, they're, that's probably more difficult, but. I, th- I think two local derbies, when, when you've done particularly well in one of them, I, I, I expected a lot more. And I, I came away thinking, did we, really, we didn't really have any many, many, target, many shots on target. Did we have any? Not really. Button, Button was, you know, he'd lost a lot of hair. Um, and, uh, but he's, he seems to have gained a bit of stature. So I, I, think, I think that's where the confusion lies. I think we, we're confused that we, 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 we feel uncomfortable thinking that Fulham were, were good. Fulham were good, and I stand by remarks that there'll be a playoff. But we were awful, and it was actually bloody annoying um, because the players have put so much into their performance about against Rangers, you know, the week previously. Um, they looked really up for it. Um, the manager had got the tactics spot on. Um, yeah, QPR aren't a good side, as been seen by the sacking of Jimmy Ford Hasselbank uh, last weekend. But you know, why? The big, you know, Fulham is a big game. It's the, it's it is probably the biggest game of the year at Griffin Park under lights, Friday night on the television, and we just didn't turn up. None of the players turned up. It wasn't well, no, not none. I I thought Josh Clark had an okay game, um, but actually, you know, 
the uh, the other ten really didn't seem to be up for it. Well, nine, but Bentley had a pretty good game. Sorry, Bentley had a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. So keepers in it, mate. Yes, he did. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, uh, apologies, apologies to Mr. Bentley, but but the the rest of them, it was just so disappointing that they didn't turn up. And where was the passion and where was the motivation about it? It's Fulham we're playing, and I know I was make, jo- joking earlier about Fulham just being, you know, a run in the mill game, but. It's all very well going away to Rangers and saying, yeah, we're really up for it and whatever. There should have been 11 leaders on that pitch last Friday night. There wasn't, there was possibly one, possibly two. Personally, I think you're overdoing how badly we played. Um, I, is, it, is it not possible you play um, a below average side one week and win 2-0? You play a very good side the next week, lose 2-0, and actually your performance isn't that different in the two games. Just to be devil's advocate. It wasn't necessarily the way we played and, and the level, the quality of our play. It was the fact that the, 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 there seemed to be very little passion. They didn't really want to win the game. I they think, didn't... well, you, my theory on that is that's always the easy thing to say. And I always think there's more to it than that, football. Um, Fulham, when they, when they attacked us, they were playing, they were playing in triangles around our defence, which is something QPR were incapable of doing. Um, against us, they were hitting balls to Martin. He was sticking to his feet. He was laying it off. He was bringing the other players in. It was something else QPR are incapable of doing. Um, I, I, so you know, we talk about chalk and cheese, but for me, the real chalk and the real cheese was the QPR performance and the Fulham performance. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have no objections to being beaten by a better team, and Fulham were, were a better team. But what I want to see is that is the Brentford team fighting and, get, and going to the last minute to try and get you know get a result. Well, I, I think they did do that. I think I think they actually came into it a little bit in the second half, and um, and we had opportunities to get to one all. Um, Clark, you know, Clark had a very good opportunity when he went through. Um, Hogan had a you know a reasonable opportunity as well. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I still think that was a better performance. I think Brentford played better against Fulham than they did against Barnsley or against Wigan. I mean, it's interesting you say that as well because um, the way that Brentford played, you know, I thought was disappointing. They gave the ball away a lot, and uh, to a certain extent, I, I see what Nick was saying because we found it quite frustrating because. Um, when you get when you get games like that, you think it's a derby game. You expect the players to sort of lift up that level a little bit and actually kind of go for it. And they seem to sit back a lot. They seem to let Fulham come at them. Whether or not Fulham were coming, that's our tactic. Yeah, yeah but, but I, I don't think we did. I just I don't think I think Fulham we just we couldn't handle them. Which is which I, I generally think that. Which is <laughs> well, I can say which is quite worrying. But the, but the, but on the flip side, the interesting thing about it is that we were still in the game. We were still in the game in on the ninetieth minute. At, that, at any t- stage, we could have scored a goal yeah. and we'd have been back in the game. So the fact is that it was really frustrating what had happened. That at any point, we could have come back in and drawn that match. And, I'm, and maybe the killer blow was the fact that they scored that last goal in injury time when we thought, actually, to, to be honest with you, we, we could have maybe nicked it. Maybe we didn't deserve to, but we could have nicked this game. Like, you know what I mean? I did like the fact that um, there was a lot of anti-Brentford songs coming from the Fulham fans. That that really cheered me up because I thought, yeah, this this game actually means something to you now, and uh, that, that I think that's important. You know, if we're if we're gonna if we're gonna think these West London derbies are spicy, it's a, it's a little bit. Um, 
it's a little bit galling when it's a one-sided, one-sided rivalry, and I, I, I don't, I don't think it is now. I, I think both those teams know that they're in this division for a good few years. They might, they might be in the playoffs, but ni- neither are going to be good enough to go up for, for several years to come. So um, you know, assuming that we we might not be, and we're we're not going down either. We sh- there should be probably another three or four years worth of West London derbies and I've got a feeling there's some real crackers coming up and um, it, it, it helps when there's, there's dislike I mean as long as it's in a, in a good way I, I, don't wanna, I don't ever want to see it boiling over to, to, to trouble the terraces or, or, or outside the grounds it, you know, it has to be good humoured and it, it, can be, it can be bitter but as long as, you know, as, long as the, there are there's, there's, a, there's a line and um, here, here in the anti-Brentford songs as I, as I went back it did make me smile a bit um, not, not you know. I still felt crap on the train on the way home. But there you go. I, and you know what? The other thing is, we've last four games, last four league games against. How long is it since Fulham beat us? Right? I'll give up. You know, they owed us to some extent, and um, and it and it galls me. And you never want to lose to them. But I tell you what, I really fucking fancy us at the end of the at the end of this season against them, compared to where I think we could have. We could have been if we'd have got another win. Spot, spot on, and just in the way like sequences and runs of results go. When the week before at Loftus Road, I was saying, "Oh yeah, but we never do anything against QPR." I've been to Loftus Road so many times, and it's always been a letdown. Always come here and feel cheated or or, or defeated, and it was our turn, and it, it pretty much was Fulham's turn last week. If the players, you know, and, and, and also when it comes to this game, and it's going to be, it could be a massive game, two games to the end of the season when we play them at, at Craven Cottage, um, you know, and, and we might not have anything to play for, but I tell you what, after their performance on Friday night, the players will have something to play for. They'll be up for that. And that's what will make it even more annoying if we were to turn over Fulham, is that actually, because the players didn't turn up in enough qu- quantity or quality last Friday night to actually put on a performance I, you know we were on the telly last Friday night and they let themselves down but again I'm just going to come back to it are we focused and I know this is the whole thing is like I said to you just went offline just chilled out for a few days are we focusing too much on the fact that it was Fulham because I, honestly I want to beat Fulham every single time over keep the eye I want us to beat Fulham it's all Fulham 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 wanted to beat and I'm just thinking are we focused on the fact that we that we lost to Fulham and the fact is that if we had lost to you know Wigan or or somebody else and we'd beaten Fulham would it have been a completely different scenario because at the end of the day coming let's come back to the type of team that we are right we I think for me if anything there was a big wake-up call for that match some people thought, oh yeah, we're on the edge of the playoffs. People are all saying to you, because you're on the edge of the playoffs, they go, oh, look at you, yeah, do you think, oh, playoffs again, this, that, and the other. And then you sort of think, yeah, playoffs, we're there, we're in the top six. But I think that was a real wake-up call to us, that there's a gulf between us and the playoff teams and the, and the top teams. And what we'll do is, like I said, we'll probably beat these teams one week, and then we'll lose. We beat Brighton, great, we have to be fantastic. And we smash them up, and then we go and lose to Rotherham. I mean, that's nonsense, losing to Rotherham, because they're, they're rubbish. So, so... You know, what, that is the type of team that we are, it seems. At the start of every season, they publish the, the, the fixture list. If you're a keen, true Brentford supporter, there are four games you look for. You look for the home fixture against QPR, the home fixture against Fulham, and the away fixture at QPR, and the away fixture, fixture at Fulham. And those, 
those are the games that you want to know that your team will turn up for. Okay, you'll blow hot and cold possibly playing Barnsley away, or you'll blow hot and cold playing Wigan at home, but you want to know that your team will turn up home and away for the fixtures against Fulham and QPR. And at the moment, we're not consistent enough to guarantee that will happen. We're not consistently inconsistent, as we said. Just one last thing I want to say as well is that I think Dean Smith's actually been quite lucky and the Brentford team have been quite lucky because Brentford have played Fulham one week and QPR the week before. We beat QPR one week then we put, and then we lost to Fulham the other week. If those games were about three months apart or two months apart, there actually might have even been a different reaction, I think, with the fans because all of a sudden it's like, you know, there's a couple of weeks in between and you kind of forget it. And if we'd lost, I think, to Fulham in that kind of manner, doesn't matter how good they are, in isolation to the fact that we had beaten QBR before, I think there would actually have been a, a, a larger reaction to that, that loss. Without a doubt, because of how important the game is, um, if, we'd have, if we'd have, you know, and, I, and I've said what I think about how good Fulham are and that we weren't that bad, but, but nevertheless, you know, supporters are football supporters, we feel shit about losing at Fulham. <laughs> if we'd come in on a bad run and then lost to Fulham, um, I, I think it would have been, you know, quite toxic in the ground afterwards. But toxic in the ground, let's forget that because this is all about silver linings. And we're going to talk about another match, another Brentford match, which happened pretty soon after that game. You're probably confused, figured, hold on a minute, it's international break. But no, there was a game or a couple of games that have happened since then. And it shows there is a silver lining at the end of the rainbow and the tunnel and the bridge. So, yes, we may have lost to Fulham, but we went straight in there the following day, the Brentford B team took on Manchester United reserve side at Griffin Park. thousand fans made it down there, fair play to them that made it down there. To be fair, we were still in mourning mode, all of the cottage crew, all of us except for one, Ali Mullally, one of our very, very, very cool Scottish correspondents. He comes on the podcast, he chats a lot, she tells you exactly what she thought. She was at that game on Saturday and uh, she was very impressed with what she saw. Ali, how you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm all right, Bill. I've got a glass of wine, the fire is on, and, you know, things could be better, but they could be worse. That's right. And we're not going to talk about the Fulham game. We're going to talk about that Man United game, because I know that you came back and you Absolutely. were purring. You were purring, yeah, weren't no, you? Thought... No, it was, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't something I would normally go to, but my son was very keen to go. We went down, and it was a great atmosphere, and I thought it was like... It was like watching Brentford a couple of years ago, you know, quick pass and move, overlapping format, everything done at pace in the first half, get ourselves miles ahead, then, you know, almost give it away in the second half, but hold on to win. And, you know, they do, they did everything that we, the first team, aren't always doing. They're playing, the, they played the ball forward quickly to the forward. Um, it over, they overlapped on the wing, fullbacks overlapped. I thought on field had a good game at left wing. The um, left back with the unpronounceable name was, was fantastic. Um, Ilya, Ilya, yeah, Ilya, Chetra, yeah. So, so, so that's interesting that you, it's interesting that you say that as well because obviously Brentford went in, um, they had a three nil lead. Um, yep. Mepham scored a brilliant that first goal. I mean, oh, the, the first, first goal was a cracker, like absolute cracker. It was it was absolutely cracker and. Uh, you know, the, the whole, I mean, all everybody got up, the, the players were obviously really up for it and really responded well to the crowd as well. It was a cracking goal, absolutely cracking goal. You know, 30 yards out, I think, I think he had anything else on when he picked it up, just put his head down and hit it. <laughs> Quite a goal for a centre-back. 
Yeah, and, and also it's quite interesting as well because you're saying that they're playing a particular type of football and Brentford are sort of kind of really, really sort of drumming home the fact that they've got a particular type of football they're playing. And when we had the academies before, they're saying all the way from sort of nine years old all the way up, we've yep. been playing this style of football. So it's interesting. I mean, Fleming Pedersen's obviously come in and he stamped this style of football on the B yeah. team. And from what I can gather, speak to all the people I've chatted to, they're really happy with how the B team's come on. And I saw mm. them play a couple of months ago when they played Liverpool, and I thought they looked really good. You, again, you've seen them play against Man United on Saturday, and they looked really good as well. I um, thought they looked really good. The first half, and, I thought they outplayed, they outplayed United in the first half. You know, and, and, that's not, and that were no chumps for Man United, because they had some good players and players that were sat on the yeah. bench for the, for the first team as well. But interestingly, yeah. the first team, our first team, seems to be stuttering a little bit, and we, we don't seem to be able to sort of carry that sort of style through all the way, all the time. Is that, no. is that right? You know? Well, no, it's just, I, I, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't seem to. What, everything that you want from the first team, that first half against United from the B team was there. Quick movement, pressing high up the pitch, you know, I think I think they've got pace in that team, and that makes a huge difference. And I think that the biggest thing the first team lack at the moment is pace, with the exception of Josh Clark. Interesting stuff. They see lack of pace in the first team, so we know what we need to be doing in this window. I know Dean Smith been talking about he wanted to get pace, he wanted to get the wingers in, he wanted to get mm. two wingers in in the summer. We got one winger in on loan, who still we're going to talk about him a little bit, a bit later. Been a bit of question mark as to what kind of effect that he's had on Brentford. He definitely hasn't had the cannot effects yet, but it's fair, not fair play. You know, it's not fair to actually criticise him as such because he's still a young player, still got time to grow from. We're talking about um, Kai Kai, who came from Palace as well, you know. But um, what I can gather from what you're saying, and you've seen the, the B team maybe two months on from where I've seen it, there's possibly hope that some of these players may actually come into the first team and actually, you know, you know do something. Is that what your thoughts are? I would say um, um, I would say definitely um, uh, Ferry. Joke, that's the name I'm trying to Ferry passed the ball around beautifully. I would say the left back Ilias. Um, he's got pace coming down the left, which is I like Belen, but he lacks pace. And until Rico Henry is fit, I don't think it's a bad option to bring somebody on at left back. He's got pace, and he's got to overlap on the overlap on that side, which which is what we miss Bidwell doing for me in the first team. And if you've got somebody who can come in and do that, they've got a bit more pace, and it might be worth a try. Okay, interesting. Okay, so Ali, listen, thanks for your thoughts. B team, very excited. If anyone wants to come down there, B team are playing loads more games. There's all sorts of big names happening. I've seen them on there. Just check on the Brentford website and go and check them out. And uh, you don't normally have to pay any money to go to the B team, so it's definitely worth it. And Ali, I'll catch up with you after the international break. Yeah, cheers, Bill. So interesting to hear the thoughts of Ali Malali. We haven't got her on this 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 session yet, um, but we're going to get her on very soon because like the fire that the Malali has, and she had a bit of fire in her belly on Saturday when she saw the Brentford B team beat Man United three um, two. Great game from what I can gather. I saw it on YouTube and I've checked it out and I thought this is looking really good but she's giving you her thoughts there. Now what I thought was really interesting is what she said. She was talking about the style that they played. The style that, uh, that, that, that the Brentford team played which is the style that Brentford had been trying to pass all the way through the academy which is now defunct and all the way through to the first team. And she said that she felt a bit gutted that the style of football that they were playing is what we used to play a couple of years ago and she felt that that's missing at times with what we're playing at the moment. Um, I 
Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think I think we do play slightly risk averse at the moment. Um, and I, I, what I'd be fascinated to know about the style is whether that style is driven directly by Fleming um, Pedersen. Or who's whether, leaving soon. Who's leaving soon. This is kind of the point I'm coming to. Or whether um, Kevin O'Connor has his part to play in that style. Um, without... Uh, <laughs> I, I shouldn't really pigeonhole people um, by the nationalities, but my, my, my gut feeling generally is that English coaches tend to be more risk-averse than, um, than foreign coaches. Um, we, we, we had an exception. We did have an exception um, a few years ago. Um, and so, so I would be interested to see whether this is driven by Pedersen or, or, or O'Connor, and I guess we're going to get that answer after Christmas. Warburton's the English coach. I, yeah, I, I'm saying there is exceptions, but there's not many. He, he's, he is an exception. So, I mean, what we've got is... Hold on, li- the Liberal, OK. Why aren't you slaughtering him for what he just said? You bullied me if I made that comment. You would have bullied me if I made that I, comment. It's, it's actually a perception about the way football's played in different countries, to be brutally honest with you. Um, and, I think it's a, and I think one of the reasons um, that there are so few English coaches in the Premier League is because of that. And the, or, or, but then there is a flip side of the argument to that as well, because interesting, because we talk about potentially somebody who may be the next QPR manager. So we're talking about Clement, Clement, who was at Derby, who was at Real Madrid. Yeah. He plays a particular type of football, but he's learned his style of, of management and coaching at, in, in and, Spain and at Real and, Madrid. And you'd also find that Warburton spent a lot of time travelling around um, Europe, um, looking at other teams and how they coached. Uh, the, 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 there is something very, there was something very free-flowing about the style of football that Warburton played, and I genuinely don't think, and I've and I've said this before in a roundabout way, that many other English coaches get it. So, and, and you've got to also remember, as Warburton's out of that Watford crop, who this includes Dyche, um, Brendan Rodgers, um, Morky Mackay. They, they, they all came through at a similar type of time, and, and all had a chance at the, the top, at, you know, at the, at the top table. Um, also, again, it goes back to that moment in time. I think, I think, I think the intent is that Brentford will return to that way of football. I just don't think we've got the squad at the moment. I think, you know, when Rico Henry come, comes back, it, it, it will it will allow us to get more more width to our game. Well, I think at the moment we're 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 not playing we're not putting square pegs in round holes. I wouldn't go that far, but they're not. We just haven't got the pegs. They're not, they're not, well, they're not quite. The, the, the corners of the pegs aren't quite smooth enough. And the person responsible for smoothing the corner of the pegs, to use a tortuous analogy, is the manager and the coach. So are you, are you guys now querying? No, what, what, I'm, saying, what I'm saying is it's, we're, it, 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 it's going to take a bit of time. I, think, I don't think we're a million miles away from it, because some, some games we look really close to that. Other games we don't. I, I think it's consistency we need, um, and, and, and I think there still needs to be more of... Um, more of, of, of an ethos. I think sometimes the ethos kind of goes out the window some weeks, but I think we're still. I think the intent's still there to play that way. I just don't think we're able to to, to have that level of consistency because we're missing, missing players like Pritchard and Gray. You know, it's, we're missing a lot of good players. I mean, but we're saying that it's not even that. We just haven't. I mean, we can say Pritchard and Gray. I mean, Gray has gone off and he's done different things. It's actually just we have, we've come in and we haven't quite got the players. And the fact is that Kai Kai's come in. And listen, 
I wanted him to do absolutely brilliantly. All my Crystal Palace mates are raving about him. It's interesting what happens is like he went to Shrewsbury, he's done his business, he stepped up a little bit. Crystal Palace people, they go raving about him, but most of them have probably never ever seen him play. So all they do is they rave about them from what they see on the internet. You know what I'm saying? Kai Kai's <laughs> come on and he's all right. Yes, he offers a couple of different op- options every now and again. But the fact is that when Kenos came in, Kenos came in and he made a particular type of impact and he caused problems down that wing. Yes, he was still green sometimes. He got caught out and so on and so forth. But he did a really great job for us. And I think that for us, we're actually kind of seeing now certain type of players and certain type of creativity that we used to have we're lacking that and the fact is that if you've got that missing from your side you at times can struggle and when you play teams who actually tactically have got some bit of nous and they can play you in certain ways you're, you're going to struggle and Fulham came there and they just did the business QPR we managed to do what we're not having a go we're great and we did what we needed to do and Woodsy came out there and he didn't have any anybody in the centre of the field to actually compete against him and do whatever he just commanded it and did whatever like that so it was fine you know but at the end of the day we are still missing at least a couple of players out there for us to take up to that another notch, possibly three out there. Yeah, I think I, I, I think all those points are valid. I think we are a bit we're a bit stuck between a rock and a hard place at the moment because, because you know there there are plenty of people that still want to put us to play four four two, and we moved so far beyond that two or three years ago that we, we were so far beyond ever playing four four two again, and we've tried to carry on that. And, and I think that's the, and I think that's the, um, you know, that's what the club is is trying to do. Um, but you know, at the moment, there are bit, bits in the jigsaw don't quite fit. You know, BLM playing at left back is not really ideal. Um, but is BLM good enough to be in the first eleven? Probably. Um, but it's but, it, but it's not ideal. And it, and and, and we lose. We just we haven't quite got that flexibility or that free flowing. Exactly what Ali's saying about the the, the game on Saturday. We, we're not sitting in the first team, but I do think. There are various reasons for it, um, and um, but but whether it's the coach, whether it's the coach trying to fit the players in the side, I can see Nick banging the table at me. But I'll give you an example: Scott Hogan, right? So Scott Hogan, we all know what he's brilliant at, and what he's brilliant at is putting balls through for him to run on and bang, he scores. Yeah, but we saw in Chris Martin a player that was that would actually come to help players, and there were points. And, I, and again, I said this. Um, on Friday night there were points where where at least once or twice where Yanaris broke through and he, and he needed Hogan to be coming to him so he could lay the ball off but Hogan was already on his way and it was it was asking so much of Yanaris running at full pelt with players around him to try and pick him out it was it was difficult for him to do and it's just it's, it's all about getting that blend and, and, and getting everything to come together and we're just not quite there I think it's also another clear indicator of how, how conf- not how either confused, but how 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 um, much we're mixing it now, is um, the balls that are played from out the back from the goalkeeper. When when Button was there under Warburton, it was it was rolled out and they dilly dallied at the back and it was all slow build up and then passed it through the middle and you know we build up from there. Now he he, he can either do that or he can just hump it as long as he can. There seems to be a slight confusion of, of ethos where we're looking for that long ball. It's our, it's our, only, it's our only real danger is that, is that quick ball through to Hogan. You know, we, we, we're, missing, we're missing Judge, I think, clearly still. Um, you know, we're, we're, still we're, we're missing a consistent width. This is where I come off my long run because two weeks ago you slaughtered me when I wasn't on the podcast... By, say, by playing an old clip of me saying that I wasn't entirely sure 
about where we were going and the style of play. You three have tonight confirmed what I was saying back in that in that clip. You have just backed up my arguments. So so what I would like year later. What I would like is an apology. I don't need it in writing, but I would like to say, Nick, you may have been on to something then and you may still be on to something. I, I, I'm not quite sure if, if, if we're on the same page here. You know, I'm not I'm not sure. I think I think you've you you've been looking for a moment to actually kind of you know what I'm saying? You've been looking for your for your He's, um, he's the, the old forensic van outside his house. It's got, got, it's, I think it's got him a bit worried, mate. It's getting a bit twitchy. We need to see what other evidence. That's right. You've got, plen- you got plenty, plenty of other evidence. We'd come out. At the end of the day, is I think what we're, I think the main thing is what we're trying to, what we're saying more than anything else is that I don't think the team is up to scratch, right? And the fact is that also the team is up to scratch and massively inconsistent. Now the question is, it, is it all down the manager? Is it all down the player? You're saying it's down to the manager. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's down to the manager. I am not saying it is not. It is down to the manager, and I'm not saying it's not. It's all all the team's fault either. It's just we are unable. Uh, we have been unable for the last year to play a consistent style and a consistent way and a consistent way form of. It varies from week to week, and I just don't have never quite been able to grasp what the plan is. The plan just seems to vary, it seems to get tweaked, it seems to get changed about a bit. If you're a successful team, you have a plan that you build towards. And, you know, Klopp is a classic example. He has built, he has taken a year, pretty much a year, to build a team with, you know, getting in a few players but not totally changing the team, to play how he likes his football. And now look at them. They are playing really exciting football and you can see what he wanted to achieve. I have never yet, and I think we have never yet been quite able to see what it is that the Brentford team is trying to play. So so, so interesting, you, I mean, you should say that. I mean, come, let's come back to the B team because this, this is how this all started. The B team has, uh, has not been around that very long, but they came out of the academy and Fleming Pettersson has come in and uh, he's, he's shaped the B team. And they're playing a particular type of football. Everyone seems to be really happy with them. Everyone's saying that they come on leaps and bounds, absolutely fantastic players, you know. They're throwing them into the first team and, you know, they're on the bench and they're, they're travelling up with them and they're getting the vibe. So he's done a real job in actually kind of taking that team to the next level and he's actually really stamped a style of football on the B team. Now, Fleming Pearson's leaving in a couple of months' time and it's a bit out of the blue. And, I, I mean, I've got no idea what's, what's going on here whether or not he's got offered a new job, whether or not he's peed off with what's going on there, whether or not he thinks that he should have another job within Brentford. I've got no idea, but it all seems a little bit kind of strange because he seems to have done very well and very successful. And then he says, see you later, and I'm gone. And uh, I mean, is it you if you're putting question marks around that? Because if all of a sudden he's doing something which is actually really good and positive within Brentford, this is the type of the person that we should be keeping around, no? I, I, think, I think the thing is that I don't actually know because I don't know whether, whether the driving... For this comes from Fleming Pedersen or Kevin O'Connor. I, I, I'd have a wild guess based no. on based on what I've been saying. Um, so I would have a wild guess. Um, I think I think he has spoken about another job as well, saying that he's you know he's now starting to think about his next role, whatever that is, at a club, at another club. Um, so I. But, but, but is yeah. that because maybe you think this, I've taken this as far as I, I, I can, and or, or, or this isn't moving in the way that I want well, it to? You know? I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, he came into Brentford as the as the head of football philosophy, not as the coach of of the development squad, and he became coach of the development squad, the head coach of the development of the, the coach of the development squad um, around the time that Carsley moved on. 
Um, so I don't, you know, and, and I guess I kind of probably didn't have enough um, experience at that point. So, you know, so I, I don't know any of those answers. Um, I think it's interesting that the, if he is still the head of football philosophy at the club, I, I, I just don't know how much he tu- what he says touches to the first team. I really, I really got no idea. Um, if he does go, how much of a hole is it leaving? Is it just leaving the coach of the development squad, or is there a bigger hole that, that possibly needs to be fit, possibly needs to be filled that I'm not sure about? Um, and it will be interesting to to see the development squad play a month into January or whatever, and see whether they still play the same way. It's going to be a, it is going to be a bit sad to see him go. Um, <coughs> From what I've seen of the B team, they play really well. I mean, it, it, it's genuinely exciting. Some it of it, and I think I think you, I think you're right. There will it's inevitable that there'll be a hole. It's, it's taken some time for them to get there. I mean, remember, you know, last season they were struggling to to win games They're in a and get results. Sort of, yeah, 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 I know, but it's but it's I, I know it was. You know, I know it was a development squad. They bought in, the B team, but, then, or, but they bought in a whole. Lot, but they've actually just they've actually bought in a whole load of new players, haven't they? They bought in a number of new players, but some of them are the same players. You know, there are still players that are around from that period. Um, so I, I think it is interesting how much they've improved this season, and I think it is a shame, in whatever way, that the current structure is going to change. Yeah, the only thing is I think that, that, that Pedersen is leaving because he's actually getting a promotion and he's returning to a club he helped win two Danish Cups with. They won one national title and then they reached the group stage of the Champions League. So, you know, he's going home and then probably there might be family reasons for that as well. So, good good luck to him. So, I don't think let's have conspiracy reasons, conspiracy theories about why he's leaving. I've I just, just got a slight hunch and this is just, you know, based on nothing in particular, but I, I, I think we'll end up missing him more than we think we will. So, Brentford haven't had many new badges, new crests in our lifetime. And uh, it was only announced about a couple of hours ago, and this is the reason why we've had to put the podcast back a few hours. So we apologise to all you regulars for listening, but there's a reason why we've done it. Um, We're giving the information that there's a new crest or a new badge coming on the day that you should be listening to this podcast on the Thursday. And uh, it was sent over to us, and we've all sat down, we've had a little look, we've had a little chat. And we thought we'll talk about it. And, you know, maybe by the time you listen to this, you would have also seen a new badge. And you can also tell us exactly what your thoughts are. But it's very interesting because, obviously, there's a lot of things happening with Brentford. We're moving with the times. We've got a new way that we look at the way that we do things on the pitch. You know, we haven't got as much money as everybody else. We're looking to get into a new stadium in two or three years' time. And uh, there's a lot of change. And part of this change, it seems like, is that we're getting a new badge, a new crest, a new identity. Why are they doing this? Been a few ideas or a few reasons being thrown at us. Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it the right time? Is it the wrong time? Then know. we'll just talk around it here. And also this badge, as you look at it, when you'll see it now, this afternoon or tomorrow or yesterday when you saw it, is this the right thing to do or are people unhappy with it? Guys, Brentford have a new badge. There's a B and a circle and Brentford. It's very simple. People could recognise it, but to be quite honest with you, is this the right thing? Is it the wrong thing? I couldn't actually care. I mean, I I see why people, you know, who are nerdy. Uh, I'm nerdy about US election results. 
there are other people who are nerdy about collecting club crests and can talk for hours about the typeface used and whether it's Gill or Comic Sans or some other type of, you know, 1920s or whether it was a bee that comes from the 50s or whether it's a wasp and whether it's a honey bee that lives in America or lives in Barnet. I don't care. I mean, you know, I, I, it doesn't worry me when I see a player running around and going and kissing a bee's ass, which is what they'll be doing when they hold the club crest up to their... Uh, uh, when they're kissing the club crest as we gain promotion to the Premier League in, in a year's time or, or, or 18 months' time. A badge is a badge that... It doesn't symbolise what Brentford is about. Brentford as a club, it's more. I, I'm more worried about the strips than I am about the badge. You're 100% wrong, because the, the club badge. Be the first time. The club badge means everything. It, it, it is your it is your identity. It's, it, it should represent your. It, it should re- yeah. It should resent, represent your town. It should represent everything there is to do with your football club. And I, and I think the current one isn't a million miles away from being all right. Yeah, it is. It's a bit bland. And I think the only you know, the biggest problem with the current badge is got the eighteen eighty nine part of uh, you know formed in is pretty illegible. So, you know, to remove that wouldn't wouldn't have been the end of the world. The current one references history. Um, the, the, there's been similar badges in the 50s and similar badges either side of the war. Um, and, I, and I think um, you know the Halcyon days and, and the, the Brentford greatness of, of, of the, you know of the, the Harry Curtis years should never be forgotten. Um, I think I, I don't I don't dislike the, cu- the the one that's been proposed. I'm not sure this is 100%. This is definitely happening. Um, I, I, I assume it is the way it's been un- unveiled, um, or there's 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 going to be some sort of toing and froing. But I, I I I suggest some 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 amendments to it. I, I, I'd like to see some red and white stripes in it. Um, I, I like the fact that there was Middlesex um, swords in in the current one. I think that's important. I know it's a defunct place as such, but it, it, it is your history. Um, I, I think that there's, there's no river reference in it, um, and then the, there is there is in the current uh, the current one. Um, I, I just I, I don't think when I look at the current the one that's been proposed today, I don't think that's this is a long term badge. I think this is, might be a sort of a, a 15 yearer. This isn't iconic enough to to stand the test of time. I don't think. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm not offended by it, but I'm I'm not I'm neither am I excited by it. it. It's not it's not well designed enough for me to go. Oh yeah, the, I, I'm really proud of this. I I think the current one is better than the new one. And it's interesting you say it's not it's not well designed because it's very much based oh, on it's a. Nicely it's very much based on on an old badge, and is it in the old supporters badge or is it an old Brentford badge from? It's kind of a, it's a mix between a supporters badge. It's called it's, I think it's the um, there's, there, there was like a, around 72, 73, there was a, a, a Brentford badge that was very similar to that. We only had it for one or two years, and um, and, the, and there was a supporters club badge um, which you, you can see on eBay quite quite a lot. Um, which is similar. Okay, and just for people, because obviously this is not video, this is audio as well, just explain to people who may not have seen it and they're scrabbling around the internet exactly what this new badge is is like. It's similar-ish to the Sheffield United badge. Um, I I think Matt Matt so rightly, he'll he'll talk about it. Although, obviously, the Sheffield United have got the the cross swords. We've got... um, 
a red circle with, with a, a, a very thin um, black line around the inside and the outside of the red circle. It's got Brentford at the top and Football Club at the bottom, and then 1889 either side of it in the circle, and um, a great big B in the middle, which thankfully it's better than the B that we used on our badges in the uh, centenary year, which was really embarrassing. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a serious-looking bee, um, and, and again, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not offensive, but I, I'm, I'm just not sure it would win the competition if, if everyone voted on sort of a dozen. Um, <coughs> I'm a bit like Nick in that I'm not that worried about these sort of things. However, I am on here to give an opinion, so I will. Um, Having said I'm not that worried, I actually quite like, I've always quite liked, and, and when we talked about, um, when we first saw it and talked about badges earlier, I immediately said, oh, I quite like the Sheffield United one, um, and, um, and it's not a million miles away from that. I think, I think we have a bit of a problem, um, because, because ultimately, I, I, I think the real problem we have is, is uh, we are the bees, and, that's imp- and it's important that that gets represented in a badge, but actually, I, I don't think bees are the coolest thing going um, and therefore it makes it very difficult to, to have a bee in a badge and be quite cool um, and, and and if bees were cool there'd be there'd be oh, some yeah. sports big sports teams in America called the whatever bees Sacramento, there's plenty of the Baltimore the Sacram- bees the or something um, and, and there isn't um, and, and and that's but, but that's something we have to work around I suppose so maybe you know I'm sort of thinking that, that, that that's that, that that's where you know some of the problems come um, could the bee be a bit smaller possibly um, could it be inside the circle maybe um, that's kind of what I'd be thinking um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not offended by it I mean definite bee domination and you talked about that as well I mean for me I've got a pr- I love Brentford as the bees um, I have a problem when the bee takes over from everything else like that um, Laney talked about it earlier on um, red and white stripes is very important to me it's very important to a lot of fans um, I know when you start going into marketing terms and everything like that, being a marketeer myself, uh, you know, you talk about clutter, you start talking about all these other things, you know, especially when you're talking about logos and actually trying to sort of give messages to people. Um, sometimes you can get too caught up in that whole kind of marketing type world, like, you know what I'm saying? Now, there's an argument that the old badge, from what I can gather, or, and you can see it as well, got too many elements to it so people are saying they're getting confused it's got the b and it's got the hive and it's got this and it's got the the the, the, the middle sex and it's got all sorts of stuff and people get confused and people can't recognize it okay i understand that but this was very simple you've got a b and Brentford football club um b domination though for me uh, to me the bees is part of what we are it was a name that we were called but to me the red and white stripe should have been there somewhere 100 percent because we're all proud of our red and white stripes, and we saw what happened back in the was it the nineties, the eighties, and the nineties when we tried to have that new stri- shirt with the the stripes with this sort of kind of gear all over it, and there was all people went absolutely berserk. And even with this kit this year, some people weren't happy because they thought the stripes were too fat, and you know sometimes we had the stripes are too thin. The red and white stripes are very, very very important to Brentford fans because it represents what we're about and people happy to wear their shirts when they go on holiday and all sorts of that and to me throwing that in as part of the badge I thought should have been done and sort of just not make the B dominate so much but again we don't know whether or not this is the final design or if they're just throwing it out there for people to go completely absolutely ballistic as they do at times when you've just lost to Fulham and you just want something to get off your chest and then afterwards they might change it in a, in a, in a month or two's time. Nick. 
I would urge people to go and look at it and decide whether it is a bee. It looks like a hornet to me. Uh, yeah, I, I, we, we had this discussion a few weeks back, um, and 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 it might not be how everyone, it might not be what everyone thinks is a bee, but it's a pretty accurate representation of bees. I'm not, I'm not sure the sting. I'd have the sting a little bit. It's the sting's not bigger. scary enough. It should be, the sting should be slightly bigger. <laughs> it, it's not the, the bee sting is the thing apparently, isn't it? It's not quite sinister enough. It should be a slightly more evil bee. It's, it's, a, it's, a, quite a, it's a quite a classy bee. But, um, Honey bee. It's, it's, it's a wood bee. <laughs> or would not. So listen, it's our bee discussion here. The new badge is coming out. It'll be interesting to see what you thought. You, know, you write in the comment section of the Besotted website or you go to Facebook and chat to us and just see what you think about the new bee badge, um, which should be out today. If it doesn't come out by midday, then uh, we've even broken the embargo. So we're very, really sorry, characters, but you did tell us it's going to come out at midday. So this is when our podcast is going to come out and everyone could chat about it. I said there's, there's question marks about it. Some people are a little bit ambiguous. They don't, don't really care about the badge. They just want the team to do well. Um, for me, I just think red and white stripes should be in there and Laney. Well, they expect us to spend sort of 45, 50 quid on a shirt, you know, and you, you want the badge on that shirt to be, to be, you know, you want to be proud of that, strutting around in, on your holidays and, or wherever you are. You know, you know people, buy their badge, people buy their shirts to, as part of their identity. Brentford, Nick doesn't, though, does he? He doesn't. Well, obviously not, but it, 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 it does mean a lot. It does, it, it does mean a lot to a lot of people. It, it, is, it is part of it's the club's identity and it's their identity as well. I, I, I could get much more worked up about the shirts and the, 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 the width of the stripes than I, than I could do about what the actual crest is. But, you know, each to their own. So, every cloud has a silver lining. And as we're sitting here in the Cross Keys pub in Hammersmith, Ravenscourt Park, Stamford Road, I'm not sure exactly where it is. Hammersmith. It's Hammersmith. Okay, it's on the border though, actually. Wicked little pub, little proper, little tucked away. Um, you know, community pub, as they say. You know, so it's like you know the Nelson, all those places which are tucked in between the houses, the Griffin. We like these type of places as well. They'll be really, really friendly. You know, food decent prices, beers decent prices, and we've had a bit of a laugh in here tonight. Nice place. Come down here if you're ever in the manor. But silver linings. We've been talking about silver linings. We've been trying to talk about silver linings all evening to try and perk ourselves up a little bit. I mean, we beat QBR. Brilliant. We lost to Fulham, really bad. But in the middle, it's a silver lining. We had our first ever social, the Besotted Social, Pride of West London Social, which was at the Globe Pub. Didn't really announce where it was, but people who said we want to come, we told them exactly where it was. We kind of relaunched the Globe, which had been closed for a couple of weeks. And it was the refurb, and I went there the day before, and I was a little bit nervous because there was the old workmen banging away with the old hammers and stuff and ladders and stuff hanging off the walls and... Didn't think it'd be ready, but to be fair to Paul, 24 hours later, he got them working overnight, all through the night, through the next day, bang, and it opened up, and we launched our very first social the same day that the Globe reopened, this new refurb, and it was wicked, great night, 60 bees down there, it's quite lively, quite packed, um, fair play to, to Fullers, who actually gave us our own beer, our own Brentford beer as well, if you check out thebesotted.co.uk, there's a little Brentford Pride of West London beer as well, which they sorted out for us as well, and also the Globe as well, 
sorted us out as well. We got free beers, got pizzas and all sorts of malarkey. And to be fair, everyone was flying. <laughs> By about 8.30, everyone, the players, the fans and everyone like that, and it was really, really buzzing. Really, really good night. Checking out on Audio Boom Besotted. Um, you can check out the whole podcast. Terry Evans, Ida Anderson and Marcus Gale chatting about stuff. And it's really good. And there's a couple of points that came out of that as well. And uh, listen, guys, I mean... I was a bit nervous beforehand. Never done that before. We've done a podcast. We sit around and talk amongst ourselves. But all of a sudden, you're talking with players that you used to play with years before. And there's 60 people in front of you, and you had to make a bit of a night of it. And uh, I was a bit nervous. And, yeah, okay, maybe it can be better because it's a learning curve. But I just really enjoyed it. Had a few beers, and it was a right laugh, wasn't it, Laney? Yeah, it was, I, I thought it was fantastic, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm, I, I was less nervous. I, I was more nervous about getting, because, because of the way we did it, because of what, the way we invited people to join the Besotted Social Club, um, which you might find it annoying, but if you go to besotted.co.uk, you'll see um, a sign-up um, uh, on, on every page for the moment. We'll, we'll, we'll make it less prominent in, in the weeks to come, but for the moment... We, you know, we've got six or seven hundred people that have, have joined the Besotted Social at the moment, which is which is like brilliant. So what we can do is we can we can um, you know ask like-minded people to come to these events, and this is what we want to do. We want to we want to book somewhere up, and we want um, to just just tell the people that are you know like us and people that just want to come down and just have a chat and talk Brentford with Brentford fans away from match days because match days things get a little bit. Fractious sometimes, you know. Especially if you lose. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I've said this before. Keep football out of football. Sometimes football, football is the thing that ruins a good day at football. Sometimes, and if if you can, if you can get all the Brentford fans together and actually take a Brentford match away, um, you're you're onto a sure winner. And you mix that with three Brentford legends, and they are Brentford legends. They all three of those. I think I I overcalculated on the night. I think I said about 700 appearances. A bit less than 700 appearances between those three but you know a proper chunk and they all spoke so well Bill you know I, I thought Terry Evans he, he, he didn't he didn't shirk any questions he said it as he as it was I thought Marcus Gale was a, a real diplomat and about but funny too you know he, he told some tales though. he told oh no he did tell some tales yeah but I, I, he came across as very educated and, and very 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 interesting man and then and um, Ija again talked from the heart could have listened to him all night. He's he's a very different character to the other two. Um, you know, he's, 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 there's there's lots to him, um, and and he talked about a couple of dark issues. And, and and I thought I thought that was brilliant. To be honest, we we got some some real laughs. We had, we had had a proper drink up, um, which is important to us. You know, we, we do like a beer, um, and um, I, I thought we talked about a, a lot of topics that night. Some some good, some bad. Some ugly, um, but you know it was. I, I was listening back, and I know, I know I'm involved in it, obviously. But I, I sat and I drove up to Birmingham um, on, on Saturday, and I listened to it on the on the on the drive on the way up, and I was I was laughing, really laughing out loud, and that was putting myself in a position I was pretending I wasn't there, and you know I, I saw people on the train on the way back um, after the Fulham game with headphones in, and I just said, oh, what, you're hiding yourself away? And they went, oh, no, actually, I'm, we're listening to the podcast. And, I, you know, the, the, the listening figures for that were just, you know, blown us away as well, you know. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people listen to this. And, you know, I, th- I think probably 
the best thing that we've actually produced in terms of like you know just just like a variety it's fun as well you know and if you want to listen back <coughs> we've got a little clip from the podcast now if you just listen back to it as well we're going to listen to what a couple of the players had to say in the podcast right now I think now you've got you've got bigger coverage you know I, you, you put the telly on you, you see goals from like in conference you know you, there's coverage everywhere of, of the football you know it's on the telly all the time you know you watch Sky Sports on a Saturday afternoon it's on who's scoring goals you know, you've, got, you've got the fellow Shreves you know, saying oh that's the sixth for the season so you know there's all that knowledge put out there so it's in people's back of people's minds and the other thing was there wasn't that, that sort of money around you know we, we you know don't, don't get us wrong you know we, we had some Good though, you know, it was, it was better than, than the average person, but it wasn't mad. I remember I was offered uh, Bassett coming for me to go up to Sheffield United for about another hundred quid a week, and it was like, fucking hell, I don't want to go up north for another hundred quid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know any, any northern is it, you know, but, but, but listen, it weren't, it weren't for me, you know, and uh, yeah, and then that was it, you know, so obviously, you know, I can understand the young lads that are going to be at Brentford now, being enticed with a, with a wage from, I don't know, what, 10, 20 grand a week to 100 grand a week, 80 grand, 60 grand a week, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a big, you know, it's, it's a big difference. Like I said, for 100 quid to go up the, uh, pop up the M1, not for me. There's no magic formula to making it as a pro, it's just depending on that individual. Obviously, there's a lot more money now. You, you look at people like Theo Walker at 18, he's buying like a two million pound house. I'm like, I've played over 600 games. I can't buy a two million pound house. And that's how the game's changed. Can he cross a ball? No. Could I cross a ball? Yeah. Does he? Pardon? What was that? Theo, yeah. He, he bit. Yes. Hey. I've just got, we've got to ask the questions. We, we, I'm, I'm completely confused about this. And listen, we won the league that year and it's great. But listen, Ron Nodes was the manager. Right. Now, how does that work? No, 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 I mean, because no one has actually really explained this now. And Aija, in very simple terms, you must explain how this runs because I have got no idea. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, I couldn't believe it um, when I saw it. I think it came. On, I think I saw it on the old teletext. <laughs> um, He's a manager, you know, he's a manager. And I was like, looking at Teletext, you know when it changes pictures on Teletext? You can get it. Um, I remember that. It phased in with the, uh, the main Lan- TV. Lan- Lanzarote, <laughs> 75 pounds. <laughs> That's it, those are the bargains. But no, um, you know, one knows the owner and the manager, and I believe that when we had a game, he came in and he was telling a team talk. Just give us, one, <laughs> just give us one team talk. Just give please. us a team talk. Please, I just want one. Before Cambridge, what did he say? Just fucking win. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and I remember you said to me, oh my God, you know, this is just the best thing ever. Because we went to, 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 to South End in the, the Southern Leyland Daff, I think it was the semi-final. And uh, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, getting pelted at left wing by chomp bars, but <laughs> probably you two, weren't it? It was you two, weren't it, Dave? You're trying to beat your full back and do something positive, and then all of a sudden you get a chomp bar in the back of your head. And you're like, what the hell is that? And it's your own fans. I think I was playing against Dean Austin then. He was Southend fullback. We were children. We were children. <laughs> 
Yeah, you could see that. But oh. someone asked me about that last week. Who, who started it off? And I said, yeah, it was at Brentford. Can't put a fingerprint on the chomp bars at this stage, but it's not a million miles away from you two. Proper jokes, absolute proper jokes that was. And we've got the next one coming up on the 16th of December. We'll talk about that in a bit. But Matt, I know that you were as involved in the podcast as you were invited along. Got a couple of beers as you came in, like you know what I'm saying? A couple of pints of pride as you walked in as well, and you were very, very happy. Just but just let us know your thoughts. Um, yeah, it was not it was nice to take a sip a seat back for you know for once and not have to worry about you know um, any preparation or anything or worrying you know what I'm going to say and stuff like that and I just and I thoroughly enjoyed it it was a it was a great night I I really loved the contrast between Marcus Gale and Terry Evans and um, and remember they played in the same side together um, but just sort of you know how sort of m- maybe they they played in slightly although their eras crossed a little bit they probably played in slightly different eras um, you know, Marcus played on the world stage. Terry Evans, an absolute legend at Brentford. Um, so that, that was fascinating. But to me, uh, you know, it was, it was all about Iger Anderson, really, at the end of the night. Um, you know, the, the, the sort of the emotion that Iger showed. Um, I actually felt like, you know, I felt like I wanted to give him a big hug or we need to have a, you know, all have a big hug. Emotionally showed for what, though? Um, it was really about his time at the end, um, his time at the end um, of his time at Brentford and... Um, and just just how sort of you know how unhappy he was really to leave the club, um, you know he felt he was forced out, um, and um, and even the whole loan thing, you know where you know where you know it felt felt to him like he was he was loaned out, and and and, and his new manager was just doing his old manager a favour, taking him, and um, he was sort of you know made me <clears throat> does make you realise that. And, and Mark has covered this to some extent as well. That although we, you know, and a lot of people talk about football players and you know they earn all this money and all that money. And to be fair, probably in Iger's day they didn't actually. Um, that you know that, that they are people after all, and they and they you know and they and they do have emotions and um, and, and 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 life isn't all perfect when you're a football player. Well, it's not. And also, what's interesting is obviously Iger. He actually came out and he talked about his depression and he said that you know at the back end of his career and going on from that actually. He, he, he suffered from like a, quite a large bout of depression, which, again, is something that affects footballers, affects yeah. people within this country, affects male people in this country, and it's something that people don't normally talk about. And there, there's right. a, a charity out there called Calm at the moment now, which is trying to promote and trying to sort of kind of raise awareness of, of depression within, within males and stuff as well as that. And footballers in particular, like I said to you, don't really talk about it. So for Iger to have actually mentioned that at the back end, which a lot of people wouldn't have known, I thought was, was, was really quite, quite interesting, yeah, quite brave of him. Yeah, I, and yeah definitely. And, and obviously, he was probably, what, in his late 20s at that point. And, um, you, know, and, and, you know, it's not just a male thing either. It's a male and female thing. And, and, it, does affect, and it does affect, in a lot of cases, young people. Um, even younger than Ija, um, it, you know, it, can, it, it, it does affect them. And, and it's really important to talk about this sort of thing because it hopefully will help somebody that may be struggling with depression and they'll hear it and it will help them understand it and then they go and get help yeah i mean i'm glad you brought that up billy because i thought it was a really honest bit about the evening and that that was the that was the great bit about the evening as well there was a lot of banter there was a lot of laughs but you actually understood the pressures that professional footballers were were and are under and i, I you know i 
I'm just an amateur at this game. I don't know the, the, the strains and the stresses. It was really interesting, actually, to hear both the laughs but the low times that the players that the players have. And I'm sure it goes on today, as it did in, in the times of those legends that we had at the, at the social. So, you know, next one, say, say, it'll be interesting to, to hear some of the tales from the next one. And all I would do is encourage people to be honest about it. It's great that people can talk about such issues, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's what came through. Listening back, there it, it, it definitely was a depth to, to what you know to how the evening progressed and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the conversations that were taking place. You know, it, it was it wasn't all about the superlatives about oh, wasn't Peterborough great? Wasn't Cambridge great? Wasn't wasn't you know wasn't Manchester City and, and Blackburn great? Which they all obviously all were. You know, we 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 bounced it all over the place, and I, I just I I thought it I thought. The, the, the whole format works and uh, to be honest with you you know the, the, the numbers for me and Bill was it was important because we just wanted obviously it to, to be full and it was full and um, the next one the big the venue's slightly bigger and if we can fill that the one after that will be a bit bigger and this, the one I'm looking forward to is the end of the season one it's quite, it's gonna be quite that's going to be quite bad yeah. I think it's also important to, to say credit to you guys and and also, you know, to the to the people that turned up and that, that there was an atmosphere created where Igel did feel he was able to talk about um, his depression because, um, you know, I don't I don't think it's it, it certainly probably wasn't that easy for him to do, um, and um, and the atmosphere was created by by the sense that evening of, of who was you know the people that were there and um, and and the way the evening was set up so so credit to you guys for that so and, and thanks very much for that Matt as well and like I said to you he's like we were a bit nervous about it and and in in a way the people that came were people that wanted to come and they were really supportive and everyone was cheering and there was clapping and all sorts of and it just made it a lot of fun yeah. but just coming back to that just coming back to the night just quickly any moments in there that you just thought it just made you laugh or you thought it was really cool um, and I, 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 I normally go last in this one but I'm actually going to I'm going to mention the first one as well and it was just the Terry the, Terry Evans obviously going to crop up quite a lot on this because he was a right old character like you know what I'm saying and I remember I asked him and I passed the mic around and I was trying to trying to get out of him about the rivalry with Birmingham City <laughs> because for me you know we talk about Fulham now but Birmingham was actually superseded Fulham as a team that I absolutely and completely and utterly detested in the early to mid-90s. They were absolutely abhorrent. They used to come down to Brentford, cause all sorts of malarkey. We used to beat them, they used to beat us. It was just, it was honestly, we were at each other's necks for about five or six years. And for me, that was obviously there when I was a lot younger than I am now. And I just wanted Terry to reiterate that. And I said, yeah, Terry, and you know, in that time when we played Birmingham City, um, and what was it like, you know? And did you did you hate Birmingham City? And he just stopped. He went, "We hated everyone." <laughs> and it was just it was just brilliant. It's just the way that he said it. It was just like typical. It's like he, he didn't care about Birmingham or Fulham or or anybody. It was just like the fact that he obviously just pointed out that he hated everyone. It was a moment, and everyone just burst out into absolute laughter at that time. Matt, I, I think it was the um, it was Terry Evans um, talking about the <laughs> the Liverpool game. Um, what Terry had explained was that he always liked to get, you know, get hold of a player early in the game and, and, and stamp his authority on them. And it seemed in the Liverpool game that it took him quite a long time to actually get hold of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when he did, I think he did some, some, twi- quite some damage on Peter Beardsley. But, but I definitely got the game. impression it was half an hour into the game. And I was chuckling away to myself at sort of how, how good that Liverpool team was. And Terry desperately trying to get a, a hard challenge in or, or whatever on somebody. 
Peter Beardsley was that ugly before Terry Evans <laughs> ju- stamped on his face. But he, he did he did admit to, to stamping on his face, which I thought was quite hardcore actually. Um, again, my one's a Terry Evans one as well. He, the way he described the way he played, and he said it was controlled thuggery, and um, he, he basically said he he, he couldn't play the, these days. It's it's too. Well, he didn't watch. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't watch it anymore. But it's, it's a very different game. I, I, I think. I think football to him was very, very much more like rugby back then, and um, and that's why he's he's into rugby now. He, he, he likes that. He likes that. He likes the one-to-one battles. He, 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 you beat firstly, you beat the man in front of you. You win. You you, man, you, you know. He, he was a very a big advocate for any teams capable of beating any team. If you if you beat your beat your, you know you win your personal battle, and football's not quite like that anymore. My abiding memory of the evening is <coughs> I just face at some of the tales that Marcus Gale and Terry Evans were coming out with, and it, he sort of looked at them and thinking, really? Really? That went on? That was quite interesting. It was quite an insight. It was an insight, but then Marcus did, I mean, Iger did come out with a couple of tales himself, instead of, including the Ron Nodes uh, party at his house. Well, you have to listen to the podcast to get the full. full. <laughs> that was, uh, I mean... I've, I remember that at the time because that was a big rumour going around at the time but there was no internet there was no social media so that probably disappeared on the wing but I just resurfaced that story now and I put a little phone call to one of our friends who was living abroad at the moment now and I told him that that story had resurfaced that he just laughed and he just oh, kind of put his hands over his eyes did the old emoji and over the eyes jobby so, but you've got to listen to the podcast to come that it was a really great night anyway. so and the, player, the player that you said you, sorry your friend that lives abroad now <laughs> where, the, the one with the emoji is is it the player that was mentioned in the story that's on the pod? Is that true? That's correct, yes. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. So and it was Lloyd Abusu. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe yeah <laughs> so anyway listen so that's it just check it back it's on the sorted audio boom or just check it out sorted code UK you can check it out there's in two parts first part with uh, Terry and Marcus Gale second part with Ija Anderson and also like I said to you just go on the besotted website besotted.co.uk sign up and then you will get details eventually about our next one which is on the 16th of December very limited wicked venue it's in it's in Chiswick uh, we've also actually kind of booked a couple of hotels for people who live out of town if you want them so we've got them sort of put up and they're sort of put aside so if people need a hotel you sign up for it we'll get it all sorted and then we'll get that all sorted out for you but we haven't got loads of rooms and all that lot but anyway it's the end of the evening and uh, every cloud's got a silver lining and the, yeah, the table's rattling I'm just going to say Besotted Pride of West London podcast International week no football this weekend so that's good so we don't get depressed on Sunday morning like we did last weekend Check us out on Audio Boom. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on TuneIn Radio. Check us out on... Checker Trade. Yeah, Checker Trade Trophy. Chelsea have been knocked out, apparently. They took, they took about 45 penalties, and they still lost at the end of the day. But, listen, everybody have a lovely, relaxed weekend. Thanks for checking out the Besotted Podcast. Go and go to iTunes and give us a big thumbs up. Give us a five out of five and give us a nice comment on there as well. And what we will say as we're in this lovely little pub in the middle of the houses is... Come on, you bees!
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.